This is Boring Conversation Anyway, a Star Wars podcast, brought to you by the guys at flyguy.net, dbsw.net, and youtube.com slash sithlord229. Don't forget to check out dorksidetoys.com, Marvel, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and more. Also sponsored by chowrontoys.com, old, new, and hard-to-find Lego. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. We're, we're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Who is this? What's your operating number? Boring conversation anyway. Hey, this is episode 40 of Boring Conversation. Can you believe it? We've reached 40 episodes of Boring. Anyway, uh, here we are for this uh, big special event, and uh, it's a really special event again for us. Uh, joining us from London is uh, Mr. Sithlord229. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. And also, great to have uh, another chance at getting all of the cast of Boring Conversation on anyway uh, on the show, Mr. Whit from Los Angeles. Hello. I'm not from Los Angeles. <laughs> you are from Los Angeles, California. I'm not. It's, okay. Uh, well, okay, that's a different state almost, though, Southern California. <laughs> You're some, from somewhere sunny and warm, put it that way. Uh, yeah, I, I'm up in Endor. I, I, I live up in the Redwoods where they shot all of that stuff. That's right. You hang out with yeah. uh, Ewoks, little little furry people <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. But uh, to celebrate... Um, uh, as being 40 and uh, uh, and basically putting on some weight and losing hair and all those things that go with being 40, uh, we've... Uh, We've uh, reconvened a guest who's been on with us before. Uh, he uh, goes by uh, the name of George Bush, by Sean Connery, by uh, Moralo Eval, by Massa Media, uh, most famously, I think, by uh, Governor Tarkin, but also known by the voice of a thousand men and aliens, uh, uh, Mr. Stephen Stanton. Hello. I can't wait till I turn 40. Sounds like a real parade, the way you used to make it sound. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I heard the sports, the big body age. <laughs> <laughs> 41s, a long time ago. It was crazy. <laughs> I forgot Christopher Walken, of course. How can we forget? Uh, so, Club. It's good to uh, be back with you guys, man. Thank on you. your 40th, 40th episode of Boring, as you put it there. Absolutely. We, we bore them to death. and unfor- Actually, I have to say, one of the, the biggest shows was having you on before, but... Um, People love your your character and your voices, and uh, you're definitely you really are a fantastic uh, advocate for the franchise. And you're out there, you're talking to people and connecting with fans, and which we'll definitely get into. And we'll talk more about. But thank you for joining. Also, is uh, Stephen's manager uh, Dutch, who's in there too. Say hi, Dutch. Hey, hi, Dutch. <laughs> it's great to have this dynamic duo back on the call with. Uh, with Wet and Seth and I. So, without further ado, we're going to dive in with some news. And uh, listen, everybody jump in if you want. We're just going to talk about some stuff that's happened in the last week. Uh, something that, like in the toy vein, as, as usual, something that's kind of big is Lego have leaked out, or it's leaked out without Lego knowing it, is some of the new sets for 2013. Some of which have came from the Clone Wars, but uh, like a quick one round the table. Maybe, Seth Lord, you can start us off. Anything that excites you here? Anything kind of... Anything floating your boat or not? Hello? Are you asking me? Oh, no, I'm asking 
Sith Lord 229 if he's there. I think we may have... Sorry, sorry. Oh. Uh, d- d- <laughs> too, too many Stevens <laughs> on this call. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what was that? I, I missed that. The, the, uh, my internet rubbish. <laughs> We're talking about Lego, some of the new 2013 Lego, if any of it. From the Clone oh, okay. Wars is getting you excited, anything? Uh... Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, oh, okay, go for it. Yeah, I'm, uh, as, I mean, you guys know that I'm, I'm not a big Lego fan, but... I'm I'm liking these. I'm liking these. Yeah, I, th- I think it's gonna. Be, I think Hasbro are gonna be getting the sort of the shove into the corner, and it's it's Lego for me next year. I think. What is it that's doing it for you? What's the kind of? Uh... It's it's the little sets. Uh, I think more than the larger ones. I was looking through some of these this morning, and um, it's sort of like not not the army builder packs as such, but the the small packs where you get like maybe a, a couple of figures in a small vehicle or something like that and there's there's a few in there that's got there's a few clone troopers and and what have you and no, they just they just look really cool i mean if it was up to me i'd just collect the figures and and not bother with the set but yeah i'm 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 liking them look. sounds good what about you steven and dutch are you guys ever lego fans when you were younger or is this something that you uh, collect in your your more mature age at all I- I definitely had uh, Lego because I had uh, relatives uh, living in Europe and we used to get, you know, Christmas packages and we would get Legos. But at that time, Lego was pretty much uh, you could build houses or anything your imagination. So, <laughs> you, you know, it would be like you would build a car, but it would have like, you know, windows from a house in it, doors from a house. And shutters from a house. <laughs> it you wasn't know, that, quite. Yeah. I think I was I was old enough to get some of the first vehicle sets that they made, you know, like police car and construction equipment. That was the first where they were starting to make specialized parts. And uh, I don't know, did you ever have Legos? Yeah, but uh, I, I'm a fan of the new ones. You know, after going to the conventions and seeing what they do with them, the cars they build. Uh, well, we had the one fan at Fan Days that made the custom Tarkin figure for me. Which, right. You know, it's the, <laughs> the Lego guy, but it's the Grand Ma. So that's really oh, fantastic. Cool. I think that's something we'll see soon enough. I mean, some of these sets are pretty much Clone Wars based. And uh, I'm waiting for the day when there's a there's a character you voice, Stephen. I'm surprised there's not one already, but um, uh, I'm sure we'll get one of these very, very soon. What about you, Whit? Any of these tempting you for a slice to the Lego side? I know you collect the odd figure now and again. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think they're all very cool. Um, I've just... With my uh, with my financial situation these days, I have to be really, really careful with what I pick up, and I just I can't work them into my budget right now. I, but I they are there are some really cool sets. I was going to say with Lego in general, you got to work them into your budget. They're very expensive yeah. these days; they're <laughs> so cheap. I mean, some of these things that Rancor pit, a fantastic looking thing uh, which clips onto the Java's Palace set they have, but it's a uh, it's literally the best part of a couple of hundred bucks. So these things are no longer the uh, the pocket money I think that kids have these days, but um, but well, uh, interest. Does so the Death Star run at like six hundred or something? It's, it's expensive, yeah. The Death Star Lego set. Well, you guys get it pretty cheap in the US. You get it, well, when I say pretty cheap, uh, you get it for three hundred and fifty <laughs> bucks over there, but it's seven hundred over here in Australia. Wow. So, that, uh, well, no, I think it's about equal here because we bought one last Christmas for a for a kid, and it was like six hundred and something. Oh wow. Okay, geez, it's gone up. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just for us. Yeah, we live. <laughs> Gray market Lego or something, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Special set. Um, could be custom. You never know. But um, I mean, Stephen, we we're talking about Lego and collecting as you were younger, which is fair enough. But you actually you voiced a whole season of uh, the Lego Hero Factory, haven't you? 
Lego Hero Factor. Yes, I played uh, Jimmy Stringer. He was a, kind of a cowboy, cowboy Lego guy. He was, and uh, Mark Hamill was in that uh, too. He played uh, Von Nebula, the bad guy. Fantastic. Uh, we, we've done a few of those things. Those are a lot of fun to do. I broke the prototype of my character at the session, unfortunately. <laughs> to look at, and I was posing him, and he was like, oops, this came apart. And they're like, oh, okay, well, hold on. <laughs> so I gave it back. I didn't want to do more damage to it. <laughs> I would have loved to be in this. You and Mark Hamill, my God, the voice talent in that room alone. I could just sit there and listen all night, I think, to be honest. You know, those actually record uh, as individuals, uh, one after another. So they kind of like line us up in the hallway and we all take our turns, <laughs> you know, recording our, our parts for those. Fantastic. Well, uh, it's some other thing that's um, going back to your childhood a little bit is uh, these rather amazing figures, these large-scale, gentle giant, they're 12 inches tall, retro figures. Um, they kind of got me when the Boba Fett thing came around, but uh, they just keep on trucking these things out. So we're already up to, to the, the original Collectal 21, which uh, this is mirroring from the Kenner figures, but they're now even doing the Power Droid, the Gonk Power Droids, and it just keeps going on this line. And I, had to, I think the retro things really kind of uh, capturing the attention of a lot of, well, 40 plus and all this kind of generation anyway nowadays. But anyone on here really a fan of these? Anyone diving in? Anybody? Oh, I would. Again, I'd love to. I just, you know, I can't, I can't drop 80 bucks for a figure. I know. <laughs> it's a little expensive. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Mr. My mom came down to visit recently, and I've got all a whole bunch of vintage action figures that I've started collecting. And she saw that they were old ones and thought that I had spent a fortune on them. And I had to explain to her, I said, no, I didn't pay more than $6 for any of those. I just pick them up cheap when I can. That's kind of the way I've been shopping these days. <laughs> you haven't ventured to the Dark Side Sith Lord, have you? Have you uh... I, haven't, I haven't yet, but it's only a matter of time, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love these. I absolutely love them. I mean, I'm a sucker for anything that's vintage, so... I dare say a few of these are going to end up pinned up on my wall at some point. They're, they're, they're very retro cool, which is very chic these days. Yeah. And, uh... I just I just love the massive sort of the, the blister bubble on the front and the vintage card back, and they just look awesome. Any anything that's sort of larger versions of what I've seen in a in a smaller scale, I'll I'll have it. It's like the with the the Lego key rings that have got the little torches in the feet. Because they're sort of larger Lego figures, I love them. So anything that's maximised in size, I'll just jump on it. So I'm going to get a few of these, I think. I was watching one of your uh, uh, videos recently, Stephen, Mr. Stanton, and uh, Super 8 videos, and and you had your equivalent of the jumbo-sized 12-inch figures in those days, and it was the Mego doll you were doing to make your Super 8 movie. Yes. and that, and that was uh, from the Mego Star Trek series. That was a, a character that they had just made up called the Neptunian. That's right. Uh, didn't have anything to do with the animated Star Trek or the live action. They just decided. <laughs> I thought it was cool looking, so uh, I just used it in that, st- uh, that Super 8 film I did. I, lo- I loved your movie, and I really hope you share more of them because it's just um, – what, what age were you when you made that, that Super 8 movie with a 12-inch figure? Pardon me? What, what age were you when you, you, you shot that Super 8 movie? Probably around 14, something like that. That's wow. when I started making uh, a lot of those films. I used to get my kid brother to help me out. You know, we would take all of our model kits and 
you know, kind of right. drafted, you know, all the, the, cause you know, we had all the, we had all the star Wars spaceship kits and all the star Trek stuff and the space 1999. I mean, you name it, we had it all hanging from our bedroom ceiling on uh, you know, on fishing line. Uh, so we would, you know, use those and all the stuff from my, my train sets, you know, we'd just start cannibalizing all that stuff and putting them into the films. Mm-hmm. It looks like great fun. Really good video. I hope you do. And I can't believe you made 40 of them. I think you said, yeah, I still have them all. It's it's amazing. They they kind of most some of them have started to fade, but as I've been getting them transferred, the uh, transfer company has been uh, really good about being able to juice the color back up digitally and bring color back into stuff. Where, you know, you almost couldn't see the image anymore. So I love what you can do digitally to that uh, to that old medium. It's great. Very very so, yeah, cool. Yep. Uh, share some more of those things with you guys. I'm glad you liked them. I you know some of them are pretty bad. I have to admit, you know, <laughs> just. But they're just. So, I was were you guys doing that with with stop motion, or were you guys using different techniques for that? Yeah, stop motion. I used to, you know, in uh, we were using a uh, Super 8 cameras, which I explained in the little video that I did. That uh, yeah, as expensive as those things were, a lot of kids had access to them because their parents had been given them had had been given one as a gift, or they had bought them, and then they found them too hard to use, so mm-hmm. they ended up thrown into the closet and then the kids are like what's this and we'd get a hold of them we'd go out you know starting make you know making our versions of star wars and gone with the wind and everything else that we could think of you know so there was a lot of kids running around with super 8 cameras back in the 70s oh cool yeah i've got one for my grandpa and it's it's too expensive to do anything with now to get film or get it processed and so i just do everything with my iphone because it can <laughs> <laughs> that's great oh, how yeah, we'll change you don't have to do the uh, the thing that we used to have to do, which was uh, just like any motion picture. You'd shoot it, and you never know if it came out. You'd have to send it off to the processing lab, you know, through the drugstore, mm-hmm. Kmart or something, and then you'd have to wait for like three or four days, and then you'd have this big rush to the projector. Let's see if it came out, you know. Yeah, I was getting a sense of that watching that movie Super 8 that came out last year or so that, uh, 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 what is the name of the bad robot uh, yes, production Jay. company did. Yes. Uh, that was a fun movie, and yeah, you know those kids—they shot all that stuff and they take it to the thing, and they're like, "We want a rush job on this. When can we have it?" And it was like you had to wait almost a month or something. It seemed like. Um, I wish there was such a thing as a rush job back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> well, my nephews couldn't believe it. My nephews—I mean, because they're the generation of instant gratification. I mean, they've got—you know—they're borrowing their dad's iPhone and shooting movies in the backyard and editing them instantly and showing them to you twenty minutes later. Um, you know, they don't know how to wait for anything, <laughs> you know, but at, at that time, since you didn't have anything to compare it to, you know, the, the wait was, uh, it wasn't exactly. too bad. It was just, you were just very excited because you had like spent the whole weekend doing something. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, I wonder, you know, you'd be with your friends at school that worked one. And how do you think that scene came out? Or what about this one? Or how about the stuff with the zombie makeup? You think it worked good? You know? <laughs> very cool. Well, you, you really went to 10 in that super eight movie and uh, I urge anyone listening, get, get a look at Steven's channel uh, and have a look at that on YouTube because I, <laughs> It's not only just, uh, you know, if it was me, it would be a dodgy looking thing wandering around. You've got a bathtub full of uh, dry ice. Uh, You've cut a hole out of a bathtub, you know, to make it look as if it's underwater. You've got towns with Kentucky Fried Chicken and 7-Eleven. And you've got detail, you've got clapper boards. You went to town on this thing, you and your brother. So um, very impressive. I had plenty of the dodgy looking ones, too. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Prior to my getting the, the cameras shot, I had to use a camera that did not have single frame, where you just 
pulled the trigger and hoped for the best. And those always came out really strange looking. <laughs> wow. Well, it seems that vintage toys are something which really seems to be connecting with us all. Maybe it's because we're all all heading towards 40 or we're well in there. You never know. But um, this Star Wars exhibition that's opened up in France uh, is bringing the crowds in. It's proven to be really, really popular. Uh, there's a few images out there. They seem very secretive of them, but we've managed to get one there. We've uh, cheered off uh, toysmag.com. But... Um, this exhibition in France, uh, it's uh, at the Musée d'Art Décoratif Toy Gallery in Paris, France. And it started on the 4th of October, runs all the way through to 17th of March 2013. And the exhibition is really there to retrace 35 years worth of history of this saga's toys uh, and spin-offs from, from Star Wars, of course. But there's some amazing looking stuff there. Of course, the obligatory rocket-firing Boba Fett, which I'm sure some of you guys saw at Celebration 6. But these large 12-inch toys, and again, which fascinates me is, Stephen, your generation as well, those 12-inch Mego toys are not out of uh, fashion in any way. In fact, they're incredibly hip and cool and damn expensive because uh, these t vintage toys are really the thing which is causing the, the secondary market to, to go nuts. Uh, and I have to say, it's something that's driving me as well this moment is vintage and collecting some of this vintage stuff is just... It's pretty addictive. It's pretty addictive. Um, anyone collecting any kind of uh, vintage vintage stuff these days at all, Sith Lord? Interested? No, no. I, I wouldn't mind, um, but it's it's the the price of. It's, I mean, to get a decent. I mean, for me, it'd be if I was to collect anything vintage, it'd be obviously the the vintage Star Wars figures. Sure. Um, but to get a decent, I mean, a decent collection of those all you know in decent condition with all the weapons and everything that that's going to end up costing you a bomb so it's it's something that i'd like to do but just don't really see myself doing due to funds i think i think it's a it's one that you can if you want something mint on card good luck get uh, get your swiss yeah. bank account out but if uh, you want something exactly. loose you can pick up some old classics for a couple <laughs> of bucks and um what does that something you've you've got a few vintage figures around haven't you yeah, that's what I've been doing, and that's what I picked up at Celebration was I would just go around to the vendors who had the big bins full of them, and I'd just dig around and you know in, until I found four or five of them, and I, you know I think I, <clears throat> most places I'd get you know five or six figures, and I just you know the guy would say they were you know five or eight bucks each, and I'd just say I'll give you twenty for all of them, and oh yeah sure, and you know I mean I got a biker scout who's reddish on one side because he got left in the sun for too long, and. <laughs> I mean, I, and yeah, and I'm not, I'm definitely not a mint on card collector. Um, I, you know, I would, I'd get drunk and open them one night. That's just what I do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, yeah, I've just been collecting them loose. I don't even have weapons for them, but it's just the nostalgic factor for me. Uh, you know, I mean, I had all these things as a kid and they're probably buried in the backyard of my childhood home. And so I'm, I just want them again. Uh, you know, not, I'm not going to try and put my kids through college with a collection like that. It's just, that's not the type of collector I am. Exactly. Well, I mean, you, you're a bit of an avid filmmaker as well, and you've done some stop motion. In fact, you've done some stop motion for the Star Wars Uncut project, which I loved. One of my favorite scenes. And uh, I've often seen some of your movies, the odd old vintage figure will crop up along with the more modern stuff. So um, <laughs> keeping it alive, man. Keeping the vintage flame going. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Look, a very tiny, quick ad slot here, and then we're going to get into Mr. Stanton and his posse, and we'll talk about uh, some interesting stuff that he's been up to. But um, if you're a Lego fan and a Star Wars fan, uh, then ChairwinToys.com, one of the sponsors of this fine show, is giving you a little bit of a free Lego set. 
If you want to spend 35 bucks on something that's on their website, which is really so not hard these days, dead easy to spend 35 bucks on Lego. Um, whatever whatever you buy, it doesn't matter. It can be Batman, Lord of the Rings, uh, Star Wars, whatever you want. Once you've chucked something in your basket, just make sure it's over 35 bucks, and you can chuck in the code at checkout, flyguy.net, 300 Five zero, and you will pick up a free little Lego Republic attack shuttle. That's it. Offer expires October 31st, so get in there quick and stay tuned for some other bits and pieces that we've got coming with churnandtoys.com. Get yourself some free Lego. Right, enough of us uh, waffling on. Let's get uh, the uh, the uh, honoured guest here. We're going to ask him some questions and uh, go through some of his many, many uh, thousands of characters that he's got, but Look, Stephen, one of the ones which has became ubiquitous for you and just so well known, you've made this character your own, uh, really, is uh, Governor Wilhof Tarkin. Um, how did this all come around, Tarkin? Was it just one of those jobs or was it one you maybe pursued or always wanted to do or liked? Or Give us a bit of the background in Tarkin and how all this came together for you, if you can. Sure. Uh, yeah, the, the the character of Captain Tarkin in the Clone Wars did just come to me uh, through my agent uh, as a kind of just a regular. Here's another Clone Wars audition. They're looking for, you know, this character, and it. Uh, um, and soon as soon as I saw it was Tarkin, of course, you know, my heart skipped a beat. I was like, Ooh, they're going to do this character. <laughs> this is all about. And of course, you know, when they send auditions uh, sides out, which is the sample copy, the dialogue that they want you to. To, uh, use in your audition they change it so they don't give away any plot points or anything like that so sometimes what you're reading doesn't quite make sense so you uh. wonder like how is this are you, are you you know i called my agent one time and said are you sure this is a clone wars audition you know uh because it sounded so not like it but uh, they make sure that you know something goes out you know and i don't want to say into the public but out into the world like that in case mm, it gets sure mishandled or something it doesn't give away any uh, secrets or anything so you know i turned in my audition along with um you know every other actor that i guess it went out to and then i got the, the word from my agent that uh, i got it so i was very pleased and of course very nervous at the same time because it's a grave responsibility to uh do a character that uh, is not only uh you know loved or hated so much uh, by uh, star wars fans but portrayed by an actor who's so beloved uh, and that being Peter sure, Cushing. Sure, of course, of course. But I mean, you'd already been on the show at that point doing some of the characters, so it was a, a little easier, surely, for you, given your your connection with the show. I, I mean, well, I, I definitely knew, you know, what the production was, and I knew Dave Filoni at that point and Carrie Silver, so I knew, you know, I knew who I was going to be working sure, for. Sure, and At that point, I'd already done Masa Maida for them. But I think, I mean, you'd also, I mean, you could have just done the voice, and that would have been that, but... Um, you took this a little bit further, uh, and I think with some fans just loving what you were doing with that character and really keeping the, the kind of uh, Cushing flame alive. You did a fantastic job, personally. Um, but you, um, you've you also ended up looking like the character. <laughs> you've, um, you have you went, and, and, and really, again, tell us more about this, but the, you, you ended up going to Celebration 6 dressed as, damn it, I'll tell you, a spit of uh, Peter Cushing in many photographs. Um, how did all this come around? Was it? Your idea, the 501st, or what brought all this together? Well, it kind of goes way back months and months ago after I had done the, the role of Tarkin. Uh, a number of people just kind of remarked that I kind of looked, they, I looked a little bit like Peter Cushing. And then Dave Filoni also mentioned it 
in an interview on StarWars.com. He was, you know, talking about who I was to the fans, and they had footage of me, you know, doing during the recording. And Dave said, you know, he even he looks a little bit like Tarkin. And then when I uh, I had uh, I had shown a, a picture of a headshot to somebody, a couple of people, and they were like, did they design this character to look like you on purpose? And I'm like, really, you think it looks like so? I was wondering for- that. <clears throat> And it was just for fun. I think it was on May the fourth or something like that. For May the fourth, be with you. Sometimes we had we'd just done a just for a gag. We'd done a Photoshop of me as Tarkin, and everybody just went wild about it. And so we really started thinking, you know, knowing that C six was coming up, we didn't know at that time if we were going to go or not, if we could fit it into my schedule. And uh, we thought, well, let's think about this. Maybe we can really kind of do something here. So we. Uh, we uh, went to a, uh, a wig maker. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be seeing her again today because uh, we're going to be uh, re- reprising that uh, uh, Tarkin costume at Long Beach Comic Con coming up here on November 3rd. But uh, Linda Lee did the, the wigs for it. She did uh, a lot of the wigs and hair for the show Mad Men on AMC. Oh, wow. Fantastic. She's won awards for that kind of work and uh, for that show uh, specifically. And then uh, I went to uh, <laughs> Duchess Taylor. Uh, Rudy and uh, we gave him the job of recreating the Grand Moff's uniform, uh, and he did a spectacular job, mm. right down the buttons and everything. In fact, I think he even kind of, you know, he was like, "I think we should do this here because it, it's, it's fitted to to my to my physique, to my figure." So, you know, it really it, it fits well. So you you take the the hair and the the uh, the costume, and then uh, Kristen, our makeup gal down in Florida, she had just come back from doing uh, makeup for the Olympics for NBC in London, and she got there and she uh, did my makeup for me, you know, aging me and doing all the shading and stuff like that, and voila, Captain Tarkin lives. <laughs> wow, it's it's it, it, no slippers though, I have to say. Well, you know, we thought about that. <laughs> With the boots, the boots came uh, when we when we bought the boots originally. Uh, I put them on. They're riding boots, so you know you have to you know grab yeah, a hold, sure. kind of push your foot down in there. Well, there was a nail. There was a manufacturing defect, and there was a nail sticking up in the sole toward my foot. When I pulled it on, it skewered me completely. I just started weed inside the darn thing i'm like ah take it off take it off dutch and kathy you're like what's wrong i said there's something poking me and dutch pulled it off and he's just like well what do you mean something's poking me? And he put his hand in there and he's like ow <laughs> he got that we had to order another set of boots and they didn't quite fit right actually so i had kind of had the same problem that peter cushing did because they didn't have my size in that style so i had to get a slightly different size so we're like, gosh, I hope all this stuff works out. But in the end, I think it all it all looked good. And you've even got the riding crop in one photograph. I think you've you've, you've kept <laughs> just yeah, in case any fans get out of line, of course. Well, the Tom Toms, you know, they're very unruly, especially <laughs> on the solo field. Oh dear! Uh, you, you... I was that wearing the makeup down there in in Florida because I I went around in a stormtrooper bucket a couple days, and that was that was hell. <laughs> it was so it was so hot. You know, the, I was very fortunate. The the material that my uniform was made out of was very lightweight and it moved very well. And uh, it's air conditioned inside the uh, the convention center, so I was actually quite comfortable, even though I had on like you know three layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't you know wasn't feeling at all. It was only like and you know because we weren't really out in the Florida sun very much. Mm. Uh-huh. So we were either you know in a in a car or limo going to some place from the hotel you know, to the convention center. So it was pretty good. I, I didn't have a problem with it. 
and you even you, you went to town and uh, shaved your head a little bit just to get that wig. So you really, you 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 did all the work for this thing. This is a full-on acting role almost you you prepared for. So uh. yeah, the and part of the you know the shaving of the head. Part of the reason that uh, we did that was because they had to take a mold of my head. It was much easier for me to just shave my hair off rather than having to put a, a cap on. And, and mm-hmm. you know, so it was much easier to, to just have them because they had to put plaster on my head and like saran wrap. All the, they made two separate molds of my head to make that wig. So, yeah, I really enjoyed seeing all of the progress on your Facebook. I mean, you do, you do a great job on your Facebook page, and just watching that whole process was so much fun. Uh, so, thank you for sharing that with us. Oh no! I'm glad you guys like watching. We're, you know, it's 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 definitely, uh, you know, some people might think, well, you just put a wig on. There's a lot more to getting a custom wig made than just, you know, putting it on and, and running out mm-hmm. the door. Definitely, no, no, it looks the part. And again, as you say, I mean, you know, Emmy award-winning wig, basically. <laughs> if you think <laughs> from uh-huh. from the makers of an Emmy awarding show. Um, Wow, it, it's I think it's again it's one thing is is what's just said there. You've really kind of uh, connected with the fans even more. You turn up at this event. You're dressing as one of the characters. You're keeping us up to date. I mean, the connection on that alone is it is rather cool. Um, but even that, the, the things I loved throughout the the C six show was I'm sitting here adding some stuff for the celebration six, and I saw in your Twitter feed coming through it was you and Rick Fitch, a good friend from Star Trek. In this, the uh, toilet roll aisle in uh, in a supermarket, <laughs> dressed as Tarkin, <laughs> which is uh, just uh, you know he was uh, admonishing Rick for squeezing the Charmin, you know. So <laughs> just aesthetic. Rick was dressed, Rick was on Star Trek: The Next Generation, and he was there uh, helping the five hundred first raise money for Peter Mayhew's foundation uh, at the Shooter Trooper. Uh, Booth where he was actually they it was actually shoot a trekker so people got to shoot their nerf darts at him and uh, so yeah so he was in uniform in his Star Trek garb for that so yeah we made a trip to Publix supermarkets and <laughs> get some little snacks and things for uh, for you know after the con and uh, so we decided to take advantage of it and you know have the two galaxies shopping together and get a load of this when we were checking out in line. The guy, the customer that was standing behind Rick, we, he got into a conversation because he wanted to know why uh, we were in uniform. And get a load of this. His name was uh, it was, it was James Kirk. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> my middle name said, well, what's your middle name? He goes, well, my middle name is Anthony, but people call me Tony. So he said, you could go the next step. Oh, my James God. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> It looks like uh, you had a ball there. I think you mentioned um, a little earlier on you, you managed to get some uh, some rather cool transport to come up to the uh, the convention. I think as well with the uh, you had an army behind you towing, didn't you? We did. We, well, there was a whole there was so many of us going to the con, so we just made it easy on ourselves. We had a uh, you know a black uh, a black stretch limo. What did we call it? The Imperial. Cruiser is that what we call that? We yeah. call that one the Imperial Cruiser because it was black. Because Vader and I would get out of that, you know. And, Fantastic. Uh, you know, and, you know, go into the con from there, and 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 of course Rick would come out of there too, and uh, in his Star Trek uniform. And then we had another limo. It was a it was a white. How how big was it? Forty six feet. Forty six feet. Uh, they could barely turn this thing around. It was a white Hummer limo and our stormtroopers and Imperial officers all rode in that thing. So that was perfect. All these guys in white coming out of it, white and black coming out of it. They would come up, uh, you know, behind us, uh, at the con. Well, that's right. Yeah. They were in front 
And because uh, they were kind of like, uh, we needed to have, you know, like uh, security going into the con primarily because we had a Star Trek character with us. So <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd have uh, all the troopers and Imperial officers surrounding us so that uh, people were like, you know, what's going on here? There's Tarkin, there's Vader, there's what? Next generation Star Trek, what's going on? It's like, looked like a, a diplomacy uh, diplomat mission or oh, something going fantastic. on. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It, it, it looked like a lot of fun. And the, the pictures don't lie. You uh, you really did an amazing job. And to do that every day in that Florida sun, as Whit mentions, is uh, hats off to you, sir. You uh, you did a grand job. And uh, and we're going to see more of this, as you mentioned, at Fan Days. You, you, you're appearing uh, – sorry, you said Ch- Chicago Fan Days. My apologies. What was it? No, no. It's not. We're actually – it's uh, Long Beach Comic Con, yeah. which is – Long Beach, California. That's coming up November 3rd and 4th. So what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to kind of do a reprise of what we did at C at C6. Uh, I'll be there as Tarkin again. Uh, Scott Allen, uh, the head of the SoCal 501st, will be there uh, again as Vader. He was our Vader there at C6. Rick Fitz will be uh, donning the Star Trek his Star Trek medical officer's uniform again. So he's going to be in the Shooter Trooper booth once again, <laughs> allowing people to... Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, also with us this time, uh, couldn't be with us at C6, is uh, our, our good friend Mike Gregory, uh, who was in uh, RoboCop, Total Recall. And he's also plays a number of characters in Star Wars The Old Republic, the game. Wow. Uh, some characters like Heron Tavis and Noman Carr and a whole bunch of people. So he's going to be there with us this time. Uh, we're all going to be uh, signing for charity again. We're going to be raising money for the... Uh, the Little Warrior Fund, which is the the Mandalorian Mercs uh, Christmas Fund, where they get to raise money to for Christmas presents for kids that are uh, you know they're either they can't their family can't afford it or they're in the hospital or something like that. And we'll be raising money for uh, Baby Leia as well for uh, Zeb. Excuse me. Uh, oh yeah, you mean the original one, right? Yeah, we really do that. Yeah, this is this is going to be the last time that we do this because the first time we did it was supposed to be a one-time only thing. But we got when we got back from C six, we had so many people contacting us, <laughs> uh, fans from other cons, saying like, "Where are you going to be doing this again?" Exactly. Like, again. So, and this was you know, <laughs> around the world. You know, we were getting all sorts of uh, you know because there are cons you know in different parts, different countries. So we were like, "Oh my gosh, we're being asked to go to all these different places." So we thought. Well, we're kind of tired from traveling so <laughs> close, and it's easy for us to get to, and it makes it just easy, easy uh, flying with that wig and the costume and all the stuff and the uh, and uh, everything. What's that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting to that. I'm just talking about it. so. Uh, so we're uh, they're giving me notes over here. It's like don't forget we're going to be doing our, our group unification photo. Because after, because in addition to, to raising money for uh, the Little Warrior Fund and for uh, Little Baby Leia, we're going to be doing this one-time, uh, uh, first-time only, as far as I know, as far as all of us know. We're getting all the costume organizations together for a group unification photo out in the front of the con, out on the steps uh, before it opens. So that means everybody from all the Star Wars groups, anybody from any of the other costuming organizations or anybody that's just in costume we want to get everybody together all the cosplayers and take a a, just one gigantic group photo so it doesn't matter if you belong to a group or if you're in a group we're inviting everybody there that's showing up in costume to be part of this uh this photo in the morning fantastic 
And there's there's going to be a lot of people. <laughs> I hope so. I think so. <laughs> we know a lot of different Star Wars groups that have never had their picture taken together. Everybody from the Saber Guild, Dark Empire, Mandalorian Mercs, uh, Rebel Legion, 501st. I know I'm forgetting somebody, oh, but uh, uh, there's Empire just there's, there's so many there's so many Portugal. of them. Yeah, so uh, you know, hopefully it'll be a good turnout, and we'll get a a, a nice uh, a nice photo of everybody together, which is really what it's all about. Almost all of these organizations have the same tenant in their charter, and that's that they do charity work. So, you know, it's nice to bring everybody together. Uh, you know, are you, now, are you a part of any of these groups? I mean, I I think I remember on a podcast I heard you get an, uh, an honorary Mandalorian Merc, but are you five hundred first or anything now? I'm in, uh, I'm in a total of uh, eight different groups altogether. <laughs> of course you would be. But there's a few I haven't been inducted into or, or that I'm not a part of yet. But uh, uh, most of the groups that I just mentioned, I'm, a, I'm an honorary member of. So it's it's great to be able to bring everybody together. I think. Mm-hmm. And Commander Willow Tarkin, we haven't seen the last of him. Uh, I think uh, you, you've kind of hinted before, and I think Dave Filoni's hinted before, he's, uh, he's very likely to be back, but... Any sne- any yeah. sneaky exclusives you can give us, perhaps? Of uh, you, you're definitely making an appearance or a, a voice appearance in the the season five. Yeah, I mean Dave Filoni, I think, let the cat out of the bag when the interview for USA Today, I think it was Entertainment Weekly, it was one of those. He he mentioned, so I said, okay, it's good, we can finally talk about it. Yes, Tarkin is definitely going to be back in season Please. five. I don't want to say where or when, but. Uh, there's going to be rioting in the streets, I think, after Tarkin makes his appearance. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good stuff. I'm actually, do, I, I have about, I recorded about 10 or 11 episodes for season five. There's a couple coming up here in, in a couple That's of a weeks. Lot. I don't know if I titles yet. It's, they're standalone episodes. I think it's, because sometimes they change the titles. I think it's, uh, the Rise of Clovis, and then A Friend in Need. I hope I'm saying, I hope I'm getting the titles right. Someone can probably look it up on IMDb or uh, Star Wars Insider sure. and make sure. We have a couple coming up. And then I have a, a couple of uh, multi-story arcs uh, coming up, too, in the season, which are really good stuff. Oh, Can't wait. Are these, are these as Tarkin or are these as uh, other characters? I can't say right now. <laughs> you, <enough>. tease. <laughs> you tease. You tease. <laughs> I'm doing some new characters in the season two, and some of them are really they're a lot of fun. There's some good characters coming up in season five. I'm going to be talking more about that here soon. I can't say I can't tip the uh, tip my hand on that one yet, but you'll you'll be hearing about that here very soon. Fantastic. Cool. Well, there's one other character that I think we definitely want to ask you about, but Sith Lord Tutanin, we'll let you uh, lead on that one. Yeah, Maralo Evol. Um <laughs> Obviously, uh, it's referred to the show notes here. Um, tell us what, how did that character come about? Like, obviously, the guys over at the Clone Wars had him in place, but what was it? I mean, for for me personally, what I want to know is what is it about the character that drew you into it that made you want to do the voice for him, and 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 what what was your sort of inspiration for your interpretation of, of the character? Ah, yes, Uncle Moralo, everyone's favorite <laughs> criminal mastermind. Well, <laughs> once again, Moralo Evolve was, uh, was, uh, was just another sort of normal uh, audition that came in through my agency that here's another Clone Wars audition. And this time they said, you know, uh, 
there was a little bit of description saying that he was kind of a this criminal mastermind in the in the in the sides on this one. I believe the sides in this original one had something that they took out of the show or changed in the show. They it said that he had killed his mother out of boredom like when he was five years old. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so new so on those kinds of you know, pieces of dialogue and description in there, I just kind of you know, decided he was going to be sort of a, a criminal mastermind, but a bit psychotic, you know, where he's just sort of trying to rein it in and keep it under control, you know, that sort of like you could just tell any moment he would just he could just spin off and just, you know, kill somebody. You know, mm-hmm. if they were uh, they were establishing that, you know, that he was, you know, uh, uh, a threat to his parents at a very young age. Imagine, you know, what he would be as an adult. I think they kind of said that, you know, he'd been on the run for so long that he kept referring to himself in the third person all the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's why he always says, you know, Moralo Eval says, you know, kind of like, you know, Simon says this, you know, that kind of a thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just played around with it. I think I gave him a couple of different takes on my auditions and like, well, here's one way, here's another way. And this is, you know, kind of my favorite one. And and then, you know, I got the yeah. call that uh, I had gotten the role. And, uh, of course, more was revealed to me when I got to, got to the session. I got to see what he uh, kind of looked like. He was a new character. So on Clone Wars, uh, one of the things they like to do when you, a new character comes in, even if it's an actor that they already know, like myself, they set up a, a video camera to uh, film your your body language so that the animators can see what it was you were doing physically in order to get that voice to do that character. A lot of times they'll come up with things that you do in the session that'll help them out with the character. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, you said, you said it yourself, like the, the Morala character is, is quite psychotic. So how did the, how did the bedtime stories uh, come about? Cause that is quite a, Quite a contrast. <laughs> I think that's how they came about. It's like it's one of the oddest <clears throat> positions you can possibly think of. It's like the last person that you I had, had were have was having a conversation with uh, Jason Swank on the Force Cast, and we were saying this is the last guy in the world you'd ever want to have, you know, uh, talk to your kids and you know read them a bedtime. <laughs> I kind of went into a little Miss Muffet riff on there, and it just kind of like snowballed from there. Oh, fantastic. Cool. So, yeah. And Star Wars is cool with you doing those things. They don't. Oh yeah, they. They've given me suggestions on that. <laughs> oh cool. <laughs> <laughs> Filoni's giving you requests. <laughs> Excellent. And there was a model, I think. Yes, there was a one-six scale figure of Moralo that uh, was sculpted for me as a gift, and uh, he's on display now in my. Uh, uh, in my studio, and uh, <laughs> I talked to the sculptor recently, and he's, he's going to be making me a miniature old spice bottle for uh, Moralo to hold on to, in addition to the <laughs> bottle of the sauce that he has. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the old spice is all about. <laughs> wow, impressive stuff. What? There's a couple of questions yeah. there for you. I don't know if you want to. Right, right. So we've got, uh, you know, and as a uh... As Steven's got here in the, or as Fly Guy's got in the notes here, this isn't your first uh, shot doing anything Star Wars acting. It, um, you had done Obi Wan and Palpatine in the Pink Five saga previous to Clone Wars. Yes, uh, and by the way, Pink Five, you know that was never the Pink Five 
saga was never finished. In fact, I did a whole, we did, we shot a whole bunch of stuff with uh, Palpatine in the Death Star. We all know what happened uh, when uh, he was fighting against Darth Vader. But once he got thrown down that shaft, you don't really know what happens, did you? No. No. Five. Pink Five tells all. And uh, so uh, Trey Stokes, the creator, uh, writer, director of Pink Five, uh, we uh, were speaking to him and uh, uh, got together with him and helped him with his Kickstarter program to finish Pink Five Saga. And he raised, uh, I think, twenty over $28,000 to do it. And he's going to be coming to Long Beach Comic Con and he's going to be filming the final chapter of the saga at Long Beach using one of the uh, the ballrooms as their stage green screen area and everything like that. So they will be down there finishing up the last part of it. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's because uh, part of the part of the the uh, Kickstarter rewards were uh, a lot of them. You know, they had a lot of different things available, but uh, one of the things that they offered was uh, for people that contributed money to be in the uh, the uh, the final chapters. So uh, there's going to be a number of people down there that are actually going to be getting to be uh, filmed and put into the movie. Nice, very cool. Yeah, I, I love the fan films like that. Uh, that's that's a great project. Um, it was a lot of fun to do. It was like we had one of the guys from Stan Winston did my makeup for Palpatine yeah. and life mask and everything like that. It, uh, they did a terrific job on all that uh, stuff, and you know, a lot of people from the fan community were involved with in that. Five people donated or, you know, lent their armor. Uh, Mike Senna, the R2 Builders Club, brought in his droids. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a big sort of like grassroots effort that just grew and grew and grew. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Well, back to the Clone Wars here for a second. Uh, Masamita was your first role on the show. Am I correct with that? Yes, it was part of the uh, the whole uh, Duchess of Mandalore uh, story arc there in season two. Okay, and then uh, it's saying here, you know, were you aware that the big blue guy? Were you aware of this big blue guy before the show, or is this uh, brand new to you all around? Well, I, I you know I knew who he, I'd seen you know all the you know the prequels, so I I knew who the character was. I, I didn't uh, I didn't know exactly what he sounded like, and I was like trying to like fast forward through the DVDs looking for it. And Dave Filoni's like, yeah, he goes he goes by pretty quick. And he says and he's played <laughs> different actors, you know, different actors, another actor in Australia, you know, depending on where the film was made. He goes, but you know, don't worry about it. We've got voice reference for you, and this is what we want you to to focus on so they uh they made it easy for me because he doesn't he doesn't say a lot in the prequels he says a lot more in the clone wars a matter of fact in that uh arc that i did there was a Mm -hmm. lot of that uh the episodes were running too long so they had to delete some of masameda's scenes but they're on the season two blu-rays and they're deep deep and special uh in the extras section there and there's some really cool stuff because you really get to see what masameda is like as a character I mean, they mm. really kind of fleshed out who he was going head to head with Anakin, but that just hasn't happened yet in the series. Excellent. Yeah. So if you have the Blu-rays, look in the look in the. I can't remember where it is, like the Jedi Temple yeah. archives or something. Kind of hard to find, but once you find them, there's some cool stuff in there. Excellent. Well, hopefully Santa brings those for me this year. I've had them on my <laughs> list for a couple of years now. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, just to finish up here with Clone Wars, um, it, you've got quite a roster here. I mean, it, on the list that I have here, you played a Death Watch person, a Knight Brother, a Toydarian guard. Um, 
what there was that that in that bounty hunters episode you played one of the farmers or something too didn't you yeah, Delani, the little guy. Like, you know, we, yeah. we can't hide. Oh my God, that was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some guys from like, you know, back plane of the banking clan. You know, one of those guys is like, we do not wish to loan the Jedi any money. Mm. It's mm-hmm. the senator, you know. And, uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of uh, uh, Brother Viscus. You know, he was with uh, the guys training all those. All the you know the gladiators there with Savage Press and all that. It sounds like such a great group you guys have going there. I mean, it's you know everybody. I mean, it seems like everybody plays at least a couple of different roles. And then the thing that I really like, and you know, folks like yourself and Ashley Eckstein and even Sam Whitworth really getting into it these days. You guys are just these great ambassadors for the community. Mm. Um, I mean, you guys almost seem like you're as big of fans, if not bigger than than some of us. And uh, you know, I just love how much information you guys give and how you guys are donating to charities and signing autographs for free and all this other stuff uh you know so major props from a fan to to you for that well thank you thank you well yeah i mean i had i you know i saw star wars when it came out and i was a big fan of uh the original trilogy and of course went to see you know the special editions and, and uh, the prequel so yeah i've uh, it's, uh, you know, it's something that's been at least as, as part of the, the sci-fi and movie stuff that I've liked, you know, it's been in my life a long time already. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's it's one of those things that, um, even though you, you're, you're so well known and we're here, we're doing a Star Wars podcast, obviously, but uh, you, you have so many other voices you do. Uh, I mean, there's so much other work on the go as well. Is there anything that you've got at the moment that's particularly fresh? I know you're doing some stuff for Disney and... Uh, uh, Lego Heroes is coming back again, but um, anything else that's kind of hot and fresh? I've got a, a new series for Disney that's uh, it's not on the air yet. Uh, probably going to premiere next year or whatever. It's called the Seven D. Uh, it's kind of a, 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 a sort of a prequel to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but it's it's the Seven Dwarfs when they were much younger, and it's played more for laughs. So. Uh, of the, of the original Seven Dwarfs uh, for Disney, I voice um, Happy. The Seven D. I think it's going to no be a worries. lot of fun. Uh, not a problem. You, I mean, some of the other characters as well that you, you've voiced, uh, and one which I'm a huge fan of, GI Joe as well. And I think you must be too, because it, it, was this maybe the inspiration behind your very funny, I have to say, filmed, stop motion, voiced, everything done by you, government issue Joseph? Was that how that came around? Well, no, that uh, I've been a fan of GI Joe since I I got them, you know, when I was a kid, like you know, for Christmas as Christmas presents. You know, my brother and I had uh, a lot of GI Joes growing up. You know, all the guys with the kung fu grip and uh, lifelike hair and all that stuff. And those guys originally got drafted into my very first uh, Super Eight stop motion films. Uh, so I had done a number of uh, these stop motion films with these Joes, but this is back when you know. All my films in those days were silent. We didn't have any sound or anything. So I kind of got the idea, you know, when I was trying to, I was thinking of uh, doing something <laughs> a little bit different for YouTube. I thought, I'm going to put some sound to these guys. These guys have never had voices before. So this will give me a chance to have, actually have them, you know, say what I've always wanted to have them to say. And then, uh, so that's where, that's where the government issue Joseph stuff came from. And, and a number of, uh, uh, friends of mine have also helped out with me, Rick Fitz, Mike Gregory, they're, they've both done voices for me in that series as well. 
so it's been it's been a lot of fun getting other other friends involved in that. And then GI Joe Renegades, I'm sure yeah, what you're talking yeah, exactly, about. Yeah. Tele- that's based on the, uh, the the second round of uh, the GI Joe figures that came out like in the in the 80s with the three and a three quarter inch high ones, you know, which is with uh, Cobra and all that stuff. And on that show, I play uh, the evil twins, uh, Tomax and Zaymot, which was a lot oh, of cool. Too, because I spent a lot of scenes just talking back and forth to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was it. I didn't realize you were a part of that. I really liked that show. I liked the way they rebooted it and gave it a whole new storyline. Yet it was still kind of the same. And, it, you know, and I liked the way they brought in those twins. That was that was a couple of my favorite episodes, actually. Yeah, it was great to see those guys back. And Henry Gilroy was involved in that. And he's written a lot of stuff for the Clone Wars. So I had some really good stories in there. It's uh, No, you've definitely – I literally I can watch a TV show and, and I'll suddenly think, that wasn't Stephen Stanton, was it? <laughs> yeah, there's the, the odd occasion you just hear a little bit of a twinge and or a, a kick of an accent. You think, that's that you? And true enough, you, you've been in so much other stuff. Uh, more. Yeah, you know, in Australia, something appeared on TV that didn't appear here. It was called. It was Marvel's Black Panther right. uh, miniseries. Yeah. I was in that. I played. Uh, I played Claw, which was probably the most diabolical character most diabolical villain I've ever it's played in my evil. life, but it was, <laughs> it was based on Reggie Hudlin's uh, six part series that he had written for Marvel. They just, you know, they animated it and uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's came out, it's on DVD now, but it only aired, I believe in Australia. I think it's on Netflix streaming too. Cause I caught a, 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 they had a bunch of episodes of some black Panther series on there. I don't know if it's the same one you're talking about, but I enjoyed that quite a bit too. Yeah, it was it was originally supposed to come out. It was originally it was going to be a series on BET uh, in the United States, and I don't know what you know, whatever happens, why something doesn't come on television or not. But we completed the whole the whole thing, so it kind of sat in limbo for a while. But uh, it went to Australia. It went on. Uh, uh, I think that was it. Their cho- ABC yep, Three right, or something yep. like that. <laughs> yeah, and I know a number of people were kind of like. This isn't a kid's it's, show. It's definitely not a kid's show. It's <laughs> definitely not. It's it's pretty violent, which is great fun for adults. But uh, but uh, yeah, ABC Three is definitely a kid's channel. Although they're kind of yeah, they're much more uh, geared towards teenagers and older kind of kids as well. So, uh, but uh, well, that's because yeah, it definitely is a very much an adult themed uh, yeah uh, um, anime series. You know, with like you said, with all the violence and the politics and, the, and there's racism and all kinds of things involved. But you've you've you know? done some. I mean, you, you, again, you've turned your humor, and that's the thing as well. Not only are you doing the, the kind of public and front-facing stuff for charity and you know younger kids, but then you've you've you're dabbling in some of the the, the great uh, voice acting stuff you've done. One of the classics I loved was uh, on Robot Chicken. Uh, with you as Fred and Barney, and what a dark sketch that was! <laughs> oh my god, that was crazy! <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, yeah, well, that's Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken is also, you know, right? Something that don't swim you know, like midnight because mm-hmm. <laughs> humor can be, get very dark in uh, in that show. But uh, Seth and Matt, uh, they've got a great crew there, and they've, they've come up with uh, I've done some. Some really funny stuff for those guys over the years, you know. So it's uh, been a great association. And then, of course, the uh, uh, the sort of like uh, the the kids version of Robot Chicken, which is uh, Mad, mm. uh, the Mad Magazine uh, mm. animated series, which is uh, has some of the people working on it, you know. But it's uh, it's 
it's safe for kids to watch, but it's still the same sort of thing. A lot of quick sketches and stop motion and animation and things like that. You didn't by any chance do any voice at work for the Robo Chicken DC Comics special, did you? I could have sworn you were in there as a superhero or two. <laughs> no, I didn't, but I did watch it and I laughed pretty hard at that one. They really socked it. To yes, they did. They did. But, uh, <laughs> Poor I, thought, I thought one of these people would be, I was convinced. I thought, I'm sure this is Stephen. I've got to ask him the next time I speak to you. But, but uh, there you go. I'm sure you'll be back doing more. But uh, even uh, Family Guy with Seth MacFarlane, you did some work there with a fantastic on the money Jeff Goldblum, I have to say. If you haven't seen it, we'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, that. Oh, yeah, so it was very exhilarating, very exhilarating to uh, Jeff Goldblum for uh, a <laughs> very, uh, very exhilarating uh, director. <laughs> you just hit that in the head. So, oh. now, yeah, I've done a number of episodes for those. It's <clears throat> always uh, a lot of fun. They, uh, they, they write some pretty crazy stuff for that show. No, even uh, another couple of ones here. Uh, uh, Archer, again, a great show if no one's watched it, and uh, a really twisted and sick show, it has to be said, but... You do so. Oh. Yes, but they've really gotten their stride. First season was good, and then the second season it just you know kept getting better. I'm in the the episode called the Skytanic, which is about the big uh, the big uh, the uh, rigid airship. I play Captain Lammers, the captain of the rigid airship, and then also I do the voice of the uh, the old time uh, newsreel at the beginning of the show, which you know the, you know helium is safer than hydrogen and all that it's kind fantastic. of stuff. Well, you, you've done just about everything, and the more I, I look through some of the, the, the stuff just to, to prep up for the show, and uh, you, you really have done everything. You've got to check out Stephen's website, stephenstanton.com, and um, you are the man of a thousand voices, and you've got links everywhere to all sorts of stuff, and even trailers for Japan for, for Spider-Man, where you do the one man and the very throaty voiceover guys, I would call it. But uh, do you get to do a lot of trailers for that, that kind of thing? I do a lot of I, I'll tell you what I do a lot of in trailers that most people don't know about, and that's I do a voice match for trailers, uh, and just like I do in, in motion pictures. In fact, I did some voice match on the Spider-Man feature film in addition to doing the voice for the trailer. Of course, I can't talk about who I voice matched in, in the movie, but uh, just as it is uh, in, in motion pictures, when an actor isn't available, they're on location at a different part of the world or you know for some reason scheduling they can't make it in to do adr or lay down some dialogue uh I, I do the same thing for trailers when an actor is needed for that now that's not the case in the trailer you just brought up in the spider-man international trailer i'm just you know the standard voice guy you know you were a young man and now you're a superhero and that kind of thing, you know but mr whit sith lord anything you want to ask of uh, this uh, gentleman Yes, that's burning on your mind. We've not covered already, probably. We've, we've rinsed over, but uh... yeah, no, I was just uh, was just going to say that the uh, what is it that voice replacement or whatever you were just talking about? I didn't even know that that type of thing existed until I was thumbing through your website quite a while ago and saw some of the work you had done, just the little clips you have on your site, and uh, yeah, I thought that was very cool. Uh, so yeah, I learned something from your website too. Not only was I entertained, but I learned something. <laughs> Oh yeah, like the, you mean like yeah? Because there's like I did a trailer for the Wolfman movie where I was uh, you know what's going on? There's a robot talking in the room. Somebody's <laughs> <laughs> computer does. just what's it? Not bad. Oh, interesting. 
<laughs> it's Kathy. She's sorry. Her email is speaking out loud or something. Uh, anyway, what were I talking? Probably about? shouldn't have downloaded that one. No. <laughs> we're talking about the, the Wolfman. Uh, we're yeah. talking about. Oh yeah, right. The, for the Wolfman trailer. Wolfman. I almost said Wolfman <laughs> Jack. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, replaced. There was a there was a, an actor on screen uh, who they thought his accent was a little too thick for American audiences' ears to understand. So they had me go back and re-record his lines and just kind of pull back a little on it, so that uh, American audiences would be uh, they could you know pick up on what he was saying a little bit easier. So uh, you see this guy talking, but it's my voice coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Is it hard to match up? Uh, at times, I mean, it, it, it seems like it would be tricky. Uh, you know. It can be. In this particular case, this is, a, this is kind of a, an interesting case. I had to do this. Uh, I did this from my home studio without the benefit of seeing the picture. So they would play the original dialogue, and I had to match it in cadence and timing uh, without seeing the picture. And, uh, you know, it, it came out great. I mean, it looks good, but uh, I didn't have the advantage of actually seeing the picture, which is really unusual, usually. We mm -hmm. have, in this case, I didn't have it. Oh. Well, look, is there anything you, you wanted that you've got coming up that you want to plug, talk about, share, anything you've, you've got uh, that you want to let people know and we'll spread the word? Apart from your appearance that you mentioned earlier on, any other kind of shows or things you want to raise? I mean, anywhere that people can donate to some of these charities or things you're doing or... Well, like I said, we've got uh, yeah, everything is there on my Facebook page. Usually, it keeps Excellent. everybody up to date on you know when we're going to do something and where we're going to be someplace. Uh, like I said, November third and fourth, uh, we'll all be at Long Beach Comic Con, uh, raising money for the uh, with the man uh, with the five hundred first and the Mandalorian Mercs for the the Little Warrior Fund and uh, for little baby Leia. So we've got that going on. That's the most recent thing we've got coming up as far as like where we're going to be. And it'll, if you, if you didn't get a chance to go to C6 and you want to see the whole Tark Invader thing, this is going to be, this will be the last <laughs> time this time <laughs> to, to see the wig and the costume and the makeup and all that kind oh. of stuff. So I think it'll be a lot of fun to do that too. Get in costume one more time and, and play Star Wars. You think it may be the last time, but I've got a funny feeling some of your fans will probably be requesting more and more that you do that. But uh, any plans to go to Celebration Europe at all? No current plans right now. I mean, that's a long ways off. That's July uh, next year. And that's not only is it a long ways off time ways, it's a long ways off geographically. So <laughs> yeah. I don't even have my passport. I have to make sure that thing is all. Uh, well, if you. If you're going, we'd love to see you there. I think uh, at the moment, Sith Lord and I are, are planning to head off. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit, there, huh? bizarrely, it's a little bit closer for me. And it's on the way home to see some relatives. So I can do a joint trip. But uh, yes, unfortunately, Celebration 6 was a little bit too short notice for me. But um, I just could not change the plans I had. But uh, yeah, Celebration Europe should be on the cards. So um, the first one was fantastic. So looking forward to this one in Germany of all places. So something different. So you never know. You might be in demand there, Stephen. You might be asked to be uh, over there by the 501st and others to might fly you over. Well, like, never know. You never know. <laughs> I can't wait to see what those guys do because I talked to a bunch of the German 501st people at C6 and they brought out some of those big things they built and just imagine if they don't have to bring it overseas. I can't wait to see what they build. Sadly, I won't be there, but uh, I'll be watching online. It's, 
Yeah, I know the Belgian prop builders will probably be, be there. Those guys we met over at C6, Stefan and his group are incredible. The stuff, all those full size sets that they built, it's just magnificent. Well, and some of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, too. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. I think, as you said, Stephen, it's a whole lot easier to put your wig and boots and uh, outfit into a case than it would be uh, a backpack and a Sand Trooper costume or a Darth Vader costume. So uh, you never know. It may be a little bit more portable in the future. Um, <laughs> like it. Well, never I'll never say never, never I guess. Is what I, <laughs> you know, I think what it is, uh, guys, is the logistics. You know, people don't realize that, like, we had to fly a makeup artist in that specifically oh, could of work course, with of course. a full. And then we have the the amount of time it takes, uh, like uh, for Stephen to get ready, is it's about two hours, Jeez. maybe a little more. So it's like it's it's a real process, and it and it involves like you know about six people. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Okay, that's not so easy to fit in the suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> no, or the oh, <laughs> no, the the hair piece, the hair piece has its own its own box. Yeah, it has its own travel suitcase. case suitcase with the head that it sits on, and you know, has to be handled just so, and you know, and sprayed for. It has to be set and sprayed for travel, and then restyled when you get there on location. So yeah, it's uh, it's the real deal. You know, it's not like uh, going to the Halloween store and getting a. You know, a rubber mask or a wig. <laughs> the the wig travels first class, Mister. <laughs> I'm now suddenly having flashbacks to the robot chicken sketch with William Shatner's wig coming to life in the middle of the night and things now. Yes, yes. That was a good one. Cool. Yes. Well, look, Stephen, we've kept you long enough, I think, but uh, uh, absolutely very gracious of you to, to give up your time, uh, you and uh, Dutch and Kathy in the background, and a robot too. Uh, much, much appreciated from <laughs> for joining us. So, uh, look, thank you once again, and um, wish you all the best for all the endeavours that you've got coming up. And, uh, of course, looking forward to seeing you on uh, The Clone Wars and just about everywhere else, because you, you do everything else. So, uh. Well, thanks a lot, and it's an, and happy uh, episode 40, guys. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Here's to number Thank 50. <laughs> Boring Conversation Anyway is also brought to you by Brian'sToys.com, the world's largest Star Wars store. At flyguy.net, check out to let them know where you head of the reference. Don't forget to check out DorksideToys.com, Marvel, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and more. Uh, everything's under control, situation normal. Station anyway.